Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is. Monday, August the 8th, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Where in the Word are you today? I'm in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I mean, just think about that for just a moment. God is so good and so great, so gracious. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. God's um, throne is established in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, Psalm 103 says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You praising the Lord this morning with me? I'm praising the Lord. Yes, there are tremendously challenging headlines for us to look at and address here at home and around the world. But let us never forget who is sovereign. Let us never forget the eternal perspective out of which we operate. Everything that is temporal is viewed through an eternal lens. And so as I share with you this morning that Israel and Palestinian Islamic jihadists have agreed to a ceasefire, and I say to you, it's tenuous, you and I will say, praise the Lord. Let all that is within me praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord for a ceasefire. I'm going to praise the Lord for ultimate peace. I'm going to praise the Lord that he is the Prince of Peace. And I'm also going to praise the Lord that there will be a day when wars will cease. There will be a day that every knee will bow. When we talk about Israel and we talk about Islamic jihadists, And then we talk about Jesus, and we talk about a day that every knee will bow, every Jewish knee, every Muslim knee, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I recognize today is not yet that day, but I'm going to praise the Lord. All that is within me will praise the Lord. And as we turn and consider what's going on in Ukraine 
Military Watch is reporting that 100,000 North Koreans may be joining the Russians in their effort to conquer Ukraine. North Korea has a long history of supporting war efforts across the world against Western interests, most recently in, um, in Syria. The United Nations is also raising a red warning flag related to a potential nuclear disaster at Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear plant. Fighting um, at that occupied complex uh, not only continues, but um, Russia has been indiscriminately raining down munitions around the plant. In the midst of all of that, we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to ask that God would bring a peace that surpasses all understanding. There is some good news um, on that front as well, and that is that a ship carrying grain from Ukraine has just arrived in Istanbul. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all that is within me praise his holy name. I am not going to forget all the benefits of God, the one who forgives all sins and heals all diseases, redeems life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion, who satisfies our desires with good things and renews our youthfulness. The one who works righteousness and justice for all, the one who has made his ways known, the one who is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love, whose mercies are new every morning, I will not fail to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to talk with Mindy Bells. We're going to take a little globe trot, see what else is going on around the world. And yes, we're going to talk about what's happening as Taiwan is scrambling jets to thwart Chinese exercises simulating invasion. Even in the midst of it, we're going to praise the Lord. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Mindy Bells is back. You can check out what Mindy is writing on Substack. You can also find her on Twitter at Mindy Bells, B-E-L-Z. Mindy, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. You're going to take us on a little bit of a globe trot. Um, and I recognize uh, that the the headlines that we discuss are sobering. And so we just remind everybody we're bringing the mind of Christ to bear. We're going to maintain an eternal perspective, even as mm-hmm. we recognize mm-hmm. that the headlines of the day are often very, very challenging. So what's going on um, really at that, at that line between China and Taiwan? Well, as, as you alluded to, um, it, you know, China is using every pretext to threaten Taiwan and the visit last week of uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi was just the latest uh, thing that became a provocation. And and these military exercises, as you mentioned, simulate what what could look like an invasion. Um, And they, you know, what's really important to underscore is that uh, Taiwan is not the only thing threatened here. I mean, the Taiwan Strait is, is one of the largest shipping lanes in the world. If you are waiting on uh, a washer and dryer um, to come from from Asia right now. As many of us have seen, the supply chains 
slowed and slowed again, um, you'll be waiting longer if, if this continues to be a problem. And that's just obviously a, a minor inconvenience in the, in the whole scope of things. But, um, but Taiwan, it's really important to understand Taiwan besides being a, a country that, that the U.S. has historically stood by is also a shipping uh, guardian, I would say, and is also a center for, for high tech, uh, one of the major chip producers in the world and that kind of thing. And so we're all going to be affected by this as it continues to escalate. When um when you when you talk about escalation, right? That that's a little scary because um you know from from the perspective of Taiwan, I mean they they're saying this looks like a simulated you know land strike. This looks like a, a an effort to practice taking us over um, in a very very hostile way. Um, when you think about escalation, like what does that even mean? Right. Um, I think. Carmen, that we have to pull back a little bit and, and see sort of in a macro view what's happening in the world right now as, as, as truly it's not a minor thing to say that world orders are shifting. And if you go back to a year ago, China and Russia in particular watched as the U.S. made this disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, um, losing everything that we had fought for there not protecting even Afghans who had been most loyal to us, not standing by a government that we had helped to and, and tried to build for 20 years. That was something that we had on our screens and it was broadcast over the world for weeks as disastrous withdrawal unfolded. And I truly believe that the provocations that we are seeing from Russia and Ukraine and from China over Taiwan right now is, is a result of that. I mean, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that the, the economic and military power that is represented by the United States and Europe is being directly threatened right now. And unless the Western powers, I, I think in some more boisterous way, can come up with a, a coherent message, first of all, and then a consistent policy that shows how they're going to stand by their allies, we're going to continue to see this and all it's going to take, I mean, on the one hand, I want to believe that um, Russia wouldn't go nuclear, that China wouldn't actually move, move into Taiwan. But on the other hand, it just takes a little um, misstep or overstep and these things can spin out of control. And that's, that's the threat that is there all the time. Mm -hmm. And I really think that, um, that what we saw play out last week when Democrats, leaders in their own parties, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, could not agree on, on policy enough to the point that she sort of took kind of a rebel move and made this trip to Taiwan. Um, it, it's, it, it's just a picture of sort of the incoherence of U.S. policy right now. And I think it's happening with disastrous consequences. We can't underestimate how U.S. uncertainty in these crucial areas of the world is playing out in, in really negative ways. 
We're going to continue our conversation with Mindy Bells in just a moment. Um, Mindy alluded to our withdrawal from Afghanistan. We're going to talk about the upcoming anniversary of the U.S. withdrawal and what's going on today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Mindy Bells, you can find her on Substack. You can also find her on Twitter and her Globe Trot blog. Um, Mindy, a couple of anniversaries that I'd love for you to reflect on with us and maybe bring us up to mm-hmm. date. The first would be this upcoming anniversary um, in terms of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. But you've also reminded me that we have a second anniversary of the harbor explosion in Beirut, Lebanon. So let's mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. Afghanistan and then and then bring us up to date on what's happening in Lebanon. Yeah, well... All of us remember uh, watching the, the evacuations out of the, the Kabul airport uh, last year in mid-August um, as the United States began to pull our troops out. And then we actually pulled the last of our troops out and sort of shut the door. But, but the, the door, uh, shutting the door didn't end the calamity. And um, uh, I'll give you just one highlight of that. You know, we evacuated tens of thousands of Afghans to what was what's been called humanitarian city uh, outside of Abu Dhabi. It was a it was a tent camp that was set up kind of um, extemporaneously to 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 take care of these people that were being brought out of Kabul and out of the airport. Um, most of us don't realize there are seven thousand people still in that tent camp. And the United Arab Emirates that has, you know, had to take full um, responsibility in a sense for it um, is saying that they want it shut down by the end of this month. 7,000 people there that the United States, and, and I've talked to several people about this over the last week. Um, and let me just underscore about 1,500 to 2,000 of those people are religious minorities, and that would include a significant number of Christians who face, all of them together face, you know, just really lethal threats if they were returned to Afghanistan as a result of this camp being closed. The United States has done just a terrible job of processing these people after after actually committing to processing many of them for resettlement in the United States. Many of them had SIVs had um, some kind of um, immigration process already ongoing with the U.S., and yet they just are not being um, followed. Those things are not being followed through. Uh, I'm told that the State Department has one person there, um, that they're saying that they will pull their personnel 
uh, at the end of the month when the camp is closed. So it's a really dire situation and, and it's just a few weeks to run. And if Abu Dhabi follows through and does close the camp, then um, what happens to these people is, and, and where they go for safety, if not to somewhere like the US, Brazil has stepped in and agreed to take uh, up to, I believe about 5,000. Um, but we're talking about what for the U.S. system is kind of an insignificant number, and, and yet the U.S. is just for some reason refusing to process them. So that's an ongoing situation that most of us, when I talk to people, they're like, I had no idea that this, you know, people have just assumed that the Afghans that were brought out were processed, but that's far from true. That's devastating. I'm thinking that, um, you know, we will reach back out to John Bradley um, from the Lamia Foundation and get him to come back and fill us in on what um, what's happening um, with them and their work in Afghanistan as well. So thank you for that reminder. Um, Mindy, share with us uh, the second anniversary of the harbor explosion in Beirut um, was just a few days ago, I think on the 4th of August. Right. Remind us what mm-hmm. happened two years ago and then give us a sense of the current situation. Yeah, this explosion uh, in 2020, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, those have been, these have been busy years. The explosion, right. uh, as, as many of us remember, was, the, was really the, one of the largest non-nuclear explosions in history and devastated the port in Lebanon and Beirut. And it also devastated, uh, you know, I, when I arrived in Beirut just a few days after it happened, I was taken to a quarantine hotel and it was six miles from the site of the blast. And when I arrived at the hotel, the entire front glass front of this hotel had been blown out. That, that gives you just a graphic picture of how powerful it was. Um, it devastated two thirds of the city and, and the city, they have slowly built back, you know, they lost two hospitals, um, whole neighborhoods that were devastated. And uh, a, a lot of rebuilding has taken place, but, but the larger context of, of what's happening in Lebanon, it's gone through political crisis, economic crisis. None of, all of those things have been exacerbated by this explosion. The government has refused to take responsibility for what happened. And so there's tremendous amount of unrest, but layered upon that is, you know, the high gas prices that we have seen have been exacerbated there high inflation on food and things like that is just it, it's it's making the entire country impoverished and this used to be like the jewel of the middle east you know made an incredible comeback from a civil war in the 1980s have really um a cultural and economic uh center and a place where people felt free to come and go and now it's been it's had a government that has been strongly propped up by hezbollah and that has just had devastating consequences. And so I think one thing to highlight is that the, the port area that was hit by this blast also includes some of the oldest, largest, most influential churches in the community. And many of them were themselves devastated. I walked through one where, you know, the windows had been blown out and the, the ceiling tiles had all come down. And yet people were inside, there were work crews trying to fix the building, but people were inside putting together food packages and feeding long lines of people who were showing up, poor people who had lost everything in this port explosion. 
And so that work has continued. And it's just, it's a really remarkable story of how in the absence of a good government response, local people and particularly Christian organizations and churches have now two years later continued to do, uh, to step into the gap and, and to, um, to help those who are devastated, particularly devastated. We love talking with you. We love that you have um, such a rich perspective, um, so much time on the ground in so many of these places. So, Mindy, welcome back. And we look forward to talking with you again as we globetrot with you around the world. That's Mindy Bells. You can find her at mindybells.substack.com. Sign up for the Globetrot blog. You can also find her on Twitter. She's at Mindy Bells, B-E-L-Z. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. just, you know, hear things like John Stone Street just shared about the plight of Christians in Nigeria. Um, I mean, on average, 13 Christians dying every day. Um, And think to yourself, you know, it's just beyond hope. I mean, maybe you look at the rising tide of violence in particular cities here in the United States, or you look at uh, the the way uh, in which certain people protest um, against life, against the preservation of life itself. And you think to yourself, I mean, you know, I just, I just, my hope is fading. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to find the, the energy and the imagination and the love to keep doing all of the good that I know I'm called to do each and every day. We're going to talk with um, Peter Greer. He's the president of Hope International. Um, He's one of my favorite authors. I mean, like, I remember reading Mission Drift, and I remember reading Rooting for Rivals. And he's going to join us today with a new book that um, that he has written, uh, again, with co-author Chris Horst, The Gift of Disillusionment, Enduring Hope for Leaders After Idealism Fades. If you need a little restoration of hope, here it comes. Peter Greer is president and CEO of Hope International. It's a global Christ-centered micro-enterprise development organization serving people in Africa, Asia, Latin America, Eastern Europe, all over the place. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a dad. He's one of my favorite all-time go-to guys um, on the topic of hope. I remember fondly reading Mission Drift. Um, It has really formed a lot of my thinking in many ways. And then Rooting for Rivals, literally one of my favorite books of all time in terms of getting over the competitive spirit and into a collaborative spirit with each and every Christian on the planet. He brings us today the gift of disillusionment, enduring hope for leaders after idealism fades. Peter, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much. So good to be with you. It's wonderful to have you. So you start off with this invitation to hope. And so I'm just going to admit we could use a little refreshment of hope today. And so just issue the invitation um, where the book begins. Uh, and just to, to that point, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, even after the book came out, three recent studies that really highlight that point. 
One is from the field of education, and we know our kids are getting ready, getting ready for school again. And yet 48% of teachers are actively thinking about trying to get out of the field or find a new job. Uh, same is true in healthcare, almost 50%. And then we also saw the poll by Barna that said 38% of pastors are trying to figure out, is there another path for me feeling really discouraged? So it does seem like there is a season of discouragement and disillusionment. And yet I think this is the opportunity to say, but where is hope in the midst of it? And really the, the, the our premise is that individuals start their service with a level of idealism. We get in believing that positive change is possible, that God calls us to not just see the problems, not just complain about the problems, but to do something. So we step out in idealism. But then the question is, what do we do when idealism fades, when that initial excitement, when that initial idealism is confronted by the challenges? And uh, it really, we believe, is in that moment uh, that the great uh, hidden gift is, if we can find a new perspective, a deeper source of hope that is not rooted just in our current circumstances or what we initially hope might be possible, but that's what we wanted to explore is what is it that allows us to faithfully serve after that initial idealism fades. And it can be um, a personal sort of level of disillusionment in terms of, you know, well, I was deluded by my own self-sufficiency. But it can also be an organi- organizational disillusionment. Like I I thought this organization that I was serving, um, you know, was better than it actually is. Talk a little bit with us about the relationship between disillusionment and delusion. Yeah, yeah. And I think to your point, Carmen, that it doesn't matter what sector, it doesn't matter if it's your church or a nonprofit or an organization that you join, uh, we tend to join believing the very best. We tend to join believing um, what the marketing materials say, but but we know it is much more complicated. We, we might know that uh, intuitively, but it feels different when we actually join an organization and then we hit those challenges, those interpersonal challenges or, or board challenges or, or challenges in advancing the mission. And um, I think that to me is, is, uh, is, is a key moment to explore and not to shy away from it, not to shy away and say, well, I was wrong, or it's just too hard, or giving in to cynicism, but really to take a deep look and say, maybe it's not a bad thing to be letting go of the illusion of what we thought it was going to be. And that really is the word disillusionment, that if you take that apart, it is letting go of that illusion. And I believe it's only when we let go of that illusion that we actually can find a different source of hope, a different source of sustaining uh, a lifetime of, of, of faithful service. So one of the things that you're going to encounter um, in this book, The Gift of Disillusionment, Enduring Hope for Leaders After Idealism Fades, um, you're going to come to these places where there are these invitations that uh, Peter and Chris issue in terms of how to explore these questions yourself. And so I really like, um, Peter, how you guys invite us to explore the experiences in our lives that have drained our hope, because then you encourage us to consider, like, what what might those experiences reveal about the false hope of idealism, the faint hope of disillusionment, and the forgotten hope of cynicism? Touch on any of that and then um, point us to the real hope today. Yeah, and Carmen, I so appreciated your words on 
Mission Drift and, uh, and, and rooting for rivals. And you have been so kind to us and, uh, in our writing journey. But, you know, typically when we start on this, we, we do not write, uh, because we think we have figured something out. We write because we really want to learn about these areas. And, uh, for all of these, I have never claimed to be a, you know, expert. I've, I've claimed to be a student. And in this particular one, Carmen, I, I, our family was going through it. Uh, with some foster care um, times that were beyond stretching. Uh, my work at Hope, we work in Ukraine and Haiti, and um, and then the last couple of years have just been rough uh, for the people and places that we serve. And um, I was feeling my hope. I, I tend to be a fairly optimistic person. I love what I get to do, but I was feeling um, I was feeling hope run dangerously thin. And, um, you know, the last couple of years, they have not been easy for many of us. Um, a lot of people have had difficult times. And so I think that really was it. We, we, we had this methodology to say, well, let's find those individuals that have gone beyond that false hope, been, that not given into cynicism and have been doing this year after year, decade after decade, and yet have held on to an enduring, a strong hope and to say, what can we learn from them? And the crazy thing was we kept hearing these themes that came up again and again, and they were the same themes. They, it didn't matter the context. One was in uh, individual, we had a conversation with, was in Guatemala, Tita, and then we would go to conversation in Poland, and then we would have a conversation in Zimbabwe. And the themes of enduring hope, the themes of what actually sustains a lifetime of service, it was crazy how many of these themes actually were the same thing. But just as you said, it was that outline uh, that came came again and again. It was this initial rush of excitement, this idealism of what caused people to step out into a place of service and then uh, hit by the challenges, hit by the difficulties and hit with that moment of, of disillusionment. And then really that being a choice. Do we go inward and that just leads to cynicism and some unhealthy places, or do we find a different way in those moments of deep disappointment, of deep disillusionment to come back to the core bedrock of what we know to be true? And it is those individuals that were able to make that shift that we found really were able to, not just for a couple more years, but for a lifetime of faithful service, endure that hope. So that's what we explored. Like, what is it that allows some individuals to give into cynicism and to check out and what allows other individuals to really have the gritty resolve to keep serving, even when there are good reasons, valid reasons to be incredibly discouraged. I'm so glad you used the word gritty because I think that's a really good word. Um, I'd love to talk with you about what the prophet Jeremiah has to do um, with hope and specifically, you know, Jeremiah 17. Um, so let's invite everybody who's listening right now who's interested in uh, entering the drawing for the copies of The Gift of Delusionment, Enduring Hope for Leaders After Idealism Fades. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies of the book I have to give away today, you know the drill. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book. The number is 877-933-2484. Who are the biblical models you look to, the biblical examples of not giving in to cynicism or um, or responding when the things that you think should be happening don't happen the way you think they should. Um, who are the biblical models you look to, and who are the models of faithful 
walking with the Lord over time through difficult circumstances day in and day out that we can look to in the world today. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with Peter Greer, president of Hope International, about his brand new book, The Gift of Disillusionment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. You can follow Peter Greer on Twitter, but you can also follow the organization he serves at Hope Tweets and uh, and see what's happening um, through the Ministry of Hope International. We're talking with Peter Greer today about his new book, The Gift of Disillusionment, Enduring Hope for Leaders After Idealism Fades. Um, Peter, I want to get an update from you on what's happening um, with Hope International. So let's do that. And then I'm going to ask you about, you know, why Jeremiah? So, uh, so why Jeremiah in just a moment? But maybe, um, maybe you know, give us a little window into what's happening with Hope International in places that we have heard about, like Ukraine. Yeah, so that is the place that Hope International was founded, and it was 25 years ago, and it was after the fall of the Soviet Union. And in many ways, it's been an incredible story of progress, uh, a story of a nation that has been rebuilding and. And, and accomplishing so much. And I think that's part of the reason it just has been heartbreaking to watch the invasion, to watch what is happening to our friends. And uh, even uh, today, reading the news and, and knowing what's happening in the city of Zaporozhye uh, with a power plant, that is the city where Hope International is founded. And we have, we have staff that are there. So yeah. And then on top of that, just uh, people in poverty have been disproportionately impacted uh, by the last uh, several years. And uh, those are the places that we serve in the 18 countries around the world. And so, you know, I, I think in many ways, the timing of this book, I, I truly believe it was an incredible gift. Um, little did we know, we started working on this in 2019. And I feel like it just was an extraordinary gift to have our minds go to uh, what is it that endures hope um, after idealism fades and when when situations become incredibly difficult, little did we know that we were about to enter by far what has been the most difficult season or chapter in the work that we do. Every single country impacted in different ways, um, but I, I truly believe it was God's uh, good gift to allow us to start thinking about these themes of a, of a, of a strong hope, of a, of a rooted hope. Um, little did we know all that was about to happen. So this book um, and the topics that we write about, it really did shape our experience in the last few years, and I am enormously grateful for that. Yeah, whether it's the cost of fuel or the cost of grain or even the ability to to gain access to those things in some places in the world, um, we, you know, we don't often think about, you know, whether or not the sunflowers um, actually ever get harvested and turned into 
oil. But if that doesn't happen this year in Ukraine, there are going to be some really significant problems in other places around the world. Those are the kinds of things that you guys think about at Hope International. And I thank you for um, for really all the people around the world doing the really hard work. And I think that, um, Peter, there's some expectation, right? Christians have some expectation or some Christians have some expectation that things are going to get progressively better. And so it shouldn't get harder and harder and harder to do ministry. It somehow should get easier and easier and easier. But that's not the testimony, um, really, of those who have gone before us. Talk with us about Jeremiah and the subject of hope. Uh, and this was the crazy thing. We did not go into this project saying, let's let's really uh, dive deep in Jeremiah. Um, but this is the this is the Old Testament prophet that the families that we were talking to, these remarkable leaders who had a sustained hope, they're the ones who kept pointing to this curious Old Testament prophet. And in many ways, um, it's it's ironic that he is most quoted of all of the verses in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, when it talks about um, a hope in a future, plans to prosper you. And and it's these beautiful words that we, you know, share on version and and we quote, and there's all this inspirational art that we can have with those words because they are beautiful words. And yet when you actually dive into the life of Jeremiah, those words do not seem like they were true in his moment and in his time. And it's a really interesting story of, of contrast. And um, in many ways, Jeremiah, everything went wrong for him. Um, he had this call to be a prophet to the nations when he was in his teens. And he stepped out. And we can imagine that when he stepped out, he had these ideas about what it was going to be like if he was going to be a prophet to the nations. And then he ends up watching his nation fall. He ends up being put in stockades, being mocked by the Benjamin Gate. He's left to die in a cistern. Uh, he, everything at a national level, everything at a personal level seems to fall apart. His friends leave him. And, and yet in the midst of this, um, he is faithful. He, he still every day does what God had given him to do. He keeps showing up. And, 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 and so our friends around the world that have been living in incredibly challenging situations, I think they found a resonance with him, uh, a resonance of faithfulness even when life gets really difficult. And to your point, any expectation that just following Jesus means that we're going to have things go the way that we want in the timeline that we want them, that seems disconnected uh, to what we see in Scripture. And also what we see, uh, a promise from Jesus that is not often quoted, but in this life, you will have trouble. You will have mm. difficulty. That is the reality. But the beautiful part of that is, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's what we really found. And you already said it, but Jeremiah 17 is this incredible story of contrast. And it really says there's two options. You can try to draw strength from your own flesh, meaning you can try to go inward. You can say, we're going to grit it out. We're smart enough. We're strong enough to figure out every single challenge. We're going to get through this. And that person, it says, is going to be like a bush in the wastelands, uh, like a a parched places in the desert, in a salt land where no one lives, essentially saying that's not where life is. That's not where where health is when we try to grit it out just in our own strength. But then the second part of it, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And then it says, it does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And our experience 
is that drought is inevitable. There, there are seasons of drought in leadership. There are seasons of drought in service. There are seasons of drought, but it's in those moments that if we have a different source, if we have a different source of our hope, it is possible to have green leaves and to yeah, look at drought conditions and see a tree that has beautiful fruit. And in many ways, that's what we wanted to do in the book. We wanted to highlight those stories of individuals that seem like they're living in drought conditions and yet have found a way to have leaves that are green, never fail to bear fruit and have a joyfulness in the midst of challenge, have a hopefulness in the midst of really difficult circumstances. And to say, let's, let's, let's tell more of those stories and let's grow into leaders that have that uh, ability to, to not wither away uh, when the seasons of drought come. I love the stories. I love the stories that are included in the book. Um, hey, if you're listening right now and you say to yourself, I need some of that. I need to be reminded and refreshed. The book is The Gift of Disillusionment. We are giving away copies today. If you'd like to enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Peter, maybe speak to the person right now who looks at the challenges and that's all they see, right? That's all they see. And they're starting to ask the question, is it worth it? Hmm. Yeah. And in many ways, Carmen, you've been thinking about this and you've been faithfully going up day after day. I want to hear how you have uh, figured out how to how to have that different perspective and approach, because I'm sure you've gone through those seasons of discouragement or disillusionment. But I think for the person that's feeling that, my, my advice is super simple. Um, I think that we need to uh, take a step back uh, from the doom scrolling, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that there are so many stories and it does seem like headlines are grabbed uh, by what is wrong. And I think uh, to just take a moment of time, if you're in that season of just deep discouragement or disillusionment, I would say just silence those stories, uh, get back to what we know is true, spend time in scripture and then spend time with individuals that have exemplified, that you know, that have exemplified that year after year faithful service and ask them, go to them and say, hey, what has sustained your service? How are you still going? And I think we need to maybe give a little less airtime to some of the what's wrong with the world stories and elevate some of those stories of humble servants that have just figured out how to have that faithful presence, or as Eugene Peterson writes, that long obedience in the same direction. I think we are encouraged when we go to the source And then when we also say, and who are those examples, modern day examples of individuals that have not given into cynicism, have not given into discouragement. And I think hearing those stories can, can, can rekindle our hope as well. Yeah, that um, is a wonderful um, summation. My answer to the question um, is the word hope. Um, And I think about it Mm. as helping others perceive eternity or helping others perceive eternally and um, and that gets me going like, right, if I can do that, if I can help someone else see their life, the world, this moment differently, go to the source, drink deeply, share a cup of cool water, help others perceive eternity or eternally, then, you know, then I can pass along the hope that I in turn have also received. Um, and it is a real gift. So, Peter, as always, thank you so much for what you do, the spirit in which you do it, um, the fellowship of the saints, the way you encourage us. Um, through Hope International. Thank you for the book and thank you for being with us here today on Mornings with Carmen. A true joy. Thank you so much, Carmen. Yeah, it's a real gift. 
The Gift of Disillusionment. If you want to sign up um, for the drawing, for the copies we have to give away, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. All right, we want to be quick to praise and thank God for the life of our brother now in heaven, Stuart Briscoe. If you hadn't already already um, heard the news. Um, Fellow broadcaster, pastor, evangelist, um, lifelong um, colleague in ministry, lover of the Lord. We are certainly thankful for the life and ministry of Stuart Briscoe, who passed from this life into into glory. Um, Who are you thankful for today? Who inhabits heaven? Let's, uh, Let's be grateful to God today. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.